Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Stop punishing yourself with bland, chalky protein shakes and fuel your fitness with the best protein in the game at GNC. We've got the hottest brands and flavors that legit taste like cookies, your favorite cereal, indulgent desserts, and more. It's on at GNC. Before we get started on today's show, guys, no better time to get involved with Manscaped, awesome partner of ours, just like you guys are supporting us in this time. Support them as well. Ball is life, and our friends at Manscaped want to assist you when it's time for you to hit your game winner. They're the best. I can't even think of the second best. They are the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. So far ahead of the competition, they have exactly what you need. The right tools for the job. I would recommend getting the Perfect Package 3.0 kit. That's what I've got. Comes with the Lawnmower 3.0, stare-the-art trimmer, ton of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. The Crop Preserver, the Crop Reviver also comes with an awesome carrying case as well. Literally, the perfect package. I guess that's why it's called the Perfect Package 3.0. Use code DNVR20 for 20% off of Manscaped, plus free shipping at manscaped.com. Oh, the chills. Give it to me. Give it to me. Everybody, welcome into the DNVR Nuggets podcast. I can't even do this with a straight face. Like, <laughs> playing this music as it comes in. It's funny, like, you would think that this could make anything cool, but I feel, like, out of place coming into it. Not I mean, cool enough for this. There's a big difference between Michael Jordan taking the floor and this. <laughs> and us hopping on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and us taking the periscope. Yeah, not, not the same. <laughs> Well, whatever, guys. You know what? Um, I am Adam Adas. I'm your host. We're going to have some fun today. I'm joined, of course, as always, by D-Line Co. You know him as D-Line Co. Yeah. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> <laughs> I'm also joined in the bottom right by Harrison Wind. Can we fire that song up again? Can we just I let that ride for another five minutes or <laughs> let so? Let it breathe. Here let bit. it breathe. Yeah. There it is. It's, it's really soft <laughs> at this moment. But, uh, <laughs> and then, of course, Brendan Vogt. Hey, what's going on, guys? <laughs> are you still down because of this awful Nuggets loss? Is is that what happened? Is, we just still finished watching the 2009 down. heartbreaking Game Three against the Lakers. All these um, years later, all that emotional—it's just coming back like a yeah, flood for me. Unbelievable! <laughs> unbelievable. Um, well, today, guys, very special episode. As I'm sure the entire world was watching last night, there was the uh, Michael Jordan documentary, The 6. Last Dance. Six point one million. 6.1 million. 6.1 million. Yeah, I don't People I don't know. actually have a frame of reference. Is that a lot? <laughs> Everybody a was watching. It felt like game one of the finals, the anticipation for that doc. Yeah. Incredible. I know. And to bring and to talk about this, I brought on the biggest Michael Jordan fan I know and who so happens to be one of my best friends. It's Patrick Fine and Patrick. I'm just happy to be here and I hope I can uh, help the ball club. <laughs> he just said, he just doesn't want to get fined. That's just for that's very on Michael. Just for uh, just for reference, the final the finale of Mash had a hundred and six million people <laughs> watching. Oh, oh wow! <laughs> Nothing touches old ratings. You know? no. did, did anybody have cable back then? Even yeah. well, I don't think cable was a thing back then. No, it's like when there were only like six choices, and then you had to pick one of them. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Um, so we're going to start, Patrick, we brought you in to talk MJ. We did not bring you in to talk about the Denver Nuggets be, having their hearts ripped out, but that is where we're going to start. <laughs> so, Great. Great. I, and I have no idea how much, I mean, Patrick is from, um, basically Raleigh, Gold, Gold, Goldsboro. 
Oh, did I oh, lose no. uh, the guy who invited me in? Well, I'll take, not, I'll take not, just, not just the guy that invited you in, also the host of the show. <laughs> Wait, you're, you're from Raleigh, North Carolina, or Raleigh uh, somewhere else? Right, right outside of Raleigh, North Carolina, yeah. Oh, man, the yeah. heartbed. My I dad don't know what happened. To, uh, that was the first time I've ever been kicked off by <laughs> Steve. <laughs> I got the axe. Too much firepower, I... you, you and I. That's um, true. Yeah, no, my dad went to uh, NC State and uh, was a huge uh, David Thompson fan who was a Denver Nugget and scored 73 points uh, for all of you older fans. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're at least a little familiar with uh, David Thompson. Yeah. We do have, I don't know if we have older fans watching these these broadcasts because of Periscope and <laughs> Twitch or whatever, true. but we do have a lot of old Nuggets fans. I know David Thompson, we, we actually, it's funny whenever we do the like best Nugget, it's always like mellow Alex English, Jokic, you know, it's right. like those three. Right. And then all you always get the old guys in here and be like, it's Bobby Jones or David Thompson. Yeah, I remember David Thompson beat Dr. J in the first yeah. dunk contest. Don't ah. forget about my guy Byron Beck either. Byron, <laughs> Byron, Byron. I've never heard of Byron. He was on the broadcast. He got, he got some He's got his slander. jersey freaking yeah. retired. And he, his jersey's in the rafters. Such yeah. disrespect. I thought about that. Like, how sad is it? You play a whole career. You play well enough to have your number retired. And then people are like, who is this dude? What, what, and then <laughs> well, he, like he only played for the Nuggets for one year. He played for the Rockets for, like, the other nine. That's got to be a DNVR step question at some point figure out a way to shoehorn that in. but yeah. I, it's funny when i'm going through this because people have been killing at the end of the show we always play the steps our new trivia game and people are struggling nobody has got a free t-shirt yet but i keep having like these good byron true. beck type questions or something and i'm like dude nobody knows the like no. easy ones i can't go to byron beck these these 30 well, year old if, you, if you've got regular listeners at some point if you just keep asking the questions with that it's answer true. you think somebody Somebody, yeah. you Somebody's <laughs> going to game the system. It's like that Price is Right documentary. The law of averages, guys. Oh, yeah. uh, our buddy, uh, Mitchie5280, says uh, George Carl was saying Bobby Jones was the best Nuggets player of all time. I saw that. It was on Twitter today or yesterday. I like that. Um, I, I think it's wrong, but, you know, it's it, it's cool. Bobby Jones, by the way, really was incredible. He just wasn't a Nugget for very long. What kind of player was Bobby Jones? Because I've got no idea. Defensive yeah, player, like Bobby super Jones. defender, super hustler, okay. um, do everything. He was a um, extremely was religious guy. No, no, he wasn't like Tory Craig. <laughs> <laughs> um, he was like an extremely religious guy, wouldn't curse or didn't want his teammates to curse. Um, probably a bit of a drag, to be honest. But he was, he was really <laughs> like, like, AC, like AC Green, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, like AC Green. Everybody always respects those guys, but no one really wants them to be the best of your franchise, right? That's always, <laughs> exactly. got, it's always got to be like a third or fourth guy. That's never talked trash, never did anything fun. Yeah. 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 on the floor for this ball. But he really was really good. And we have another great comment, which Patrick, I know, can attest to. We've got some David Thompson talk. Michael Jordan's favorite Amen. player. And Amen. really, Michael Jordan before Michael Jordan. I mean, you you grew up in NC State country. A lot of people, I mean, that's, that's true. They, they always brag about this. I have seen all five David Thompson highlights that are on film. <laughs> <laughs> wow. He's a, he's a legend. He's a legend. Everybody definitely believes he could, uh, t what is it, take the dollar bill off the top of the backboard and leave change Definitely up change. there. Yeah. I'm sure that never, ever could possibly happen. But everyone <laughs> believes it from where I grew up. So that's all that matters. I've met David Thompson twice, and he was super nice both times. So all right. I am oh, a David one. Thompson fan. <laughs> David Thompson wow, fan. wow. Awesome. <laughs> hey, how, how tall would you say that? That he is six four i mean shorter than me yeah, yeah shorter than I mean, me that's what they listed wow really isn't that crazy what, what, when they talk about him and the free throw wow. line dunks and this that it's like really this dude wow yeah. it's leave. pretty crazy of course he's also like you know 60 so it's <laughs> you can i'm take sure it. he looked more point. impressive 40 years ago <laughs> um <laughs> so skywalker is, skywalker top, is so, so so great it's great um, it is great so, Brendan, is this your first time watching Game 3 of the 2009 Western Conference Finals? From start to finish, you bet, you bet it is. Um, um, just give me your first takeaway real quick. Okay, it was a really good game. Great it, it game. It must be really heartbreaking. It must be so <laughs> heartbreaking because it should be a game you look back at fondly. Um, to me, I, in the middle of this game, I, I had this thought, this conclusion. At no point for me, knowing this is a competitive series, does this feel like the Nuggets first, the big bad Lakers, and they just got to hang on, and they just got to hold on. They were good enough, if not yeah. better, and they were right there. Um, I mean, yeah, you guys know better than I. This is a really, <laughs> really terrible way to lose. <laughs> well, yeah. it's, it's the second th 
botched inbound play in three games of a Western yeah. Conference final. So it's like it's not that it was once. It was that it happened twice in three games. The Nuggets should. I know it never works out this way. But you can easily make the argument that Denver should have been up three games to zero at this point. They outplayed them through three games by like absolutely a fa- enough that you would, if you were just scoring it at home, you'd be like, yeah, it's round ten nine, ten nine, ten nine Nuggets. Were you so guys able us. to this time around at all like appreciate that Kobe Bryant three, or was it just the worst thing still? Because that that one he hit with a minute and nine seconds left, where he just like hesitates going to his left three times and just pulls up on Jay. Oh yeah, that was a vintage Kobe three. That, it had everything dude. like the the double clutch kind of at the oh, top, yeah. Yeah. The, underbite, the underbite. It had everything. Dude, it was it was honestly such a badass moment. Well, this oh, is why God. it makes these greats yeah, great, and we're gonna talk about this with MJ Love. But it was one of those where it was just a three, not just a three. It was a huge three, but there was one minute left, like. If uh, Derek Fisher hits that, you're just like, damn it, man, this sucks, but we got a minute. Is Kobe hitting it just feels like such a – there's yep. a finality to it, like, oh, God, he just, yep. he just did it. It's going to yeah. happen, isn't it? I, uh, I mean, my, my biggest takeaway from this series so far has kind of been what Brendan was saying, where the Nuggets were not overmatched. Like, they played right with the Lakers for these first three games. And uh, also, I can't believe – spoiler alert, if you haven't watched game four – can't believe Denver bounced back in one game four after throwing a second game away on an inbounds pass. Mm. Like that would have been a punch in the gut to most teams. I feel like, but it was so close. It was, you know, it was like, if I couldn't believe that they lost that game, even though I knew that they did, I still like, wasn't sure that it happened. Like, yeah. Quite, but but you're, if you're a Nuggets player, you're like, Oh my God, again. And then the Lakers are right. All right. If we win game four, this thing's over. Like, it's just pretty impressive how Denver bounced back. Yeah, it reminds me a little bit of Game 4 last year against Portland, where Denver... I mean, remember after Game 3, we were in mm. Portland, and we were just like, there's no way Denver wins another game in this series. <laughs> it's like, yeah. maybe Game 5 at home. But we just knew it was over, and then they come back in Game 4, and you're like, wow. That's oh, what man, made it really gutty, and it, I think yeah. we're going to say the same thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm quite certain that at that time in 2009 as soon as Kobe Bryant hit that shot I was throttling a couch cushion just beating the life of it <laughs> can I, yeah. if you're can the I, nuggets not, you don't have any like there's no time right to feel sorry for yourself or feel down or feel gut punched like it's 41 it, years I've had did, no I'm saying like <laughs> if you're the nuggets in that moment this is too winnable of a series right totally. like you just it, yeah it would have been they can't give up yet and, and so yeah i mean it, yeah. it would should have been a gut punch but this was a tough team man this was a tough yeah. team I know this is the uh, Anthony Carter redemption pod, but Kenyon Martin's inbounds pass way worse than Anthony Carter's. Man, in. I'm oh. saying, what? This is, I'm being <laughs> Game dead serious here. Anthony Carter is the biggest scapegoat in Denver Nuggets. <laughs> Unbelievable. He doesn't even have the worst inbound of a series, yet he is pinned, the entire series is pinned on him. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, he was the third most guilty partner in that one play. I can't believe it. I feel terrible for Anthony Carter. You know who I feel terrible for is the audience who has to keep hearing you <laughs> harp on us tr- forgiving uh, Anthony Carter. Let's move I th- on. I have, a, I have a, a thing. All right, last thing on this series, and then we'll talk MJ, but do you know what the most painful part of this rewatch was? Because I actually have enjoyed watching the Nuggets, even though I know how it ends. But this one was especially painful for one reason. The Lakers fans. It, mm. You forget how much Pepsi Centered fills up with Lakers fans, and they're all the exact same Laker fan. They're the guy that'll stand in the front row, and every time Kobe makes a shot, he'll turn backwards and do this, and just like and like every and, time. And oh he's an adult God. man wearing a tank top a, yeah. with no shirt on underneath. He's got a tribal <laughs> tattoo. I hate that guy. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on to happier things. The Michael Jordan documentary. I think this is happier. A lot of it is happier. Most of it, I would say, is much happier. happier. There's no pain in this for us. Zero. Everybody watching is happy right now, right? Like, everybody's pretty excited. <laughs> it actually was. Like, honestly, if this thing came out, I know Patrick's answer. If this thing came out all 10 episodes and it dropped at 7 o'clock, would you have watched it all the way through? I'd still be watching right now. Be watching. <laughs> for sure. Be watching. Yeah. Yeah. Take a day off from work. So yeah, yeah my, for sure. Great. Yeah. One of my things, Patrick, is that with MJ, I feel like all the stories have been told and um, like we just kind of retell the same stories. And that's one of the things from your perspective, who knows every Jordan story, does th- has this one yet provided you any new perspectives or new layers or anything like that? 
Oh, you know, I've never seen uh, Michael riding a bike uh, in college. That was oh, yeah. <laughs> what, what about what about Michael Jordan folding laundry? Have you ever seen that before? Wow. I, I had never heard any of his letters read aloud to his mother. Unbelievable. Uh, no, honestly, man, uh, the the Pippin stuff for the second episode. I don't know if I'm jumping ahead here, but was more stuff that I had had not. I mean, I knew he was one of twelve or. Or right. 13 or something yeah. like that. I did not know that his dad was in a wheelchair, that he had a brother that was paralyzed. I mean, I right. knew he had signed a small contract for a long time to try to take care of family, but I didn't know how traumatic. I mean, I came away from it just really having a lot of sympathy for Pippin and kind of feeling bad at how everything, you know, went. So yeah. that was new. Yeah, he, Pippin's yeah. backstory was like almost more captivating than Jordan's if you're just comparing the first two yeah. episodes and how they were uh, presented. And, like, I'm sure we'll get into um, the extension and the contract Pippin signed. But, like, man, his upbringing was ridiculous. Two people in his household in wheelchairs paralyzed. Unbelievable. Yeah. 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 The funniest thing about that, though, is that, you know, this is what sports always force us to do, where we're looking up at this and feeling super bad for Scottie Pippen, who's being interviewed in his mansion. Right. <laughs> we're like, we're we're like, couldn't, we get, like couldn't we get this guy some more money? This sucks. Right? We're, like, we're eating mac and cheese for the sports. Yeah, every, like half the people watching just got laid off. We're like, yeah. man, Scotty. This poor millionaire had less millions yeah. of dollars than yeah. you know what? You know what's weird, man? Um, I don't know if you guys thought about this, but th- does it seem now like an incredible benefit if you grow super late? in your career. So Jordan yes. sprung up later, right? Pippen sprung up in college. Rodman is going to, we're going to have the segment on him next time. He sprung up what, like four or five inches. Also, I think maybe a senior year, all yes. of these guys just shot up yeah. late and all yeah. of them became these unbelievable players. And I feel like that's gotta be tied into something. Yeah, it, like any, any kid you suspect might have a growth spurt. You should make your point. That's what I've <laughs> Anthony Davis. <laughs> Anthony Davis. Yeah. And all, yeah, I was thinking shot. about Anthony Davis. Davis. And I really actually thought young Pippen kind of looked like Anthony he did. Davis too. I put that on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can see it. Right. Yeah. I, I didn't realize what a um a gem he was, Pippen. I, I didn't realize that man there there was all this there's basically all these super on the table timelines in which he's never realized or discovered or, or that chance isn't taken on him. This is one of the greatest NBA players of all time at playing in a college where he very easily could never have making that next take taken right. that next leap. I also really enjoyed Pippen's, you know, obviously he has that iconic voice that like just super do- and talk slow. And then when they interviewed his family, they also all have the <laughs> His brother was the MVP, man. His Genetics brother was a hell of a thing. Yeah. Uh, it was pretty great. They, uh, they all... um, what about Harrison? I, I mean, we're just going to go around here. Harrison, what was the number one takeaway you had from episodes one and two? Um, I, I mean, I wasn't as versed on Jerry Krause's role in um, obviously building the Bulls and the downfall and the tearing apart of the Bulls, but I just did not expect him to be this ultimate villain, really, from like the first 15, 20 minutes of episode one and like, that was the biggest theme of both first and second episodes to me that like Jerry Krause is this ultimate villain in this documentary. We're, we're going to talk about this a little bit later on, but I'm guessing Patrick could have maybe predicted this, especially knowing that the documentary exists because of Michael Jordan. Like this is, this was his approval. He gave notes. Right. I mean, the heroes and villains are going to be decided in large part by but, him. Well, they didn't even tell the story, right? There's the famous story where, because obviously there was already tension there, but Phil tried to use that right to unify everybody. It's like, hey, right. if it's us against Krause and that's what gets us over the finish line one last time, that's fine. And there's like the famous story. They were all talking about, Pip, you got to calm down. You can't like insult him in front of everybody. But there's the famous story of Jordan sitting up front in the, on the bus, right? They're about to leave for the airport. And Jordan's sitting in the driver's seat smoking a cigar. And he looks at Pip and, and Krause is standing in front of the bus. And he says, how much uh, for me to step on the gas, right? Just to run over there. And that's their general manager, right? While they're in the hunt for and it's just like we don't I don't know if we have any other uh, scenarios that are like that in the history of the NBA. It feels like a soap opera, like a great like sports series where it's like the aging greatest player, yeah. the, the the disgruntled second guy, the Zen coach, like all of this seems made up. And I feel like that's right. part of what was so captivating. Not only did they win, 
but everything was so sexy about it. You know what I mean? Like the story, <laughs> the narrative is insane. The book says the last dance when they come in, that's cheesy. Like that shit work. <laughs> that's like a made up Hollywood storyline, but it happened and down to the game winning shot, you know, the uh, spoiler yeah. alert for anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think one detail that dynamic that makes it particularly interesting was Jerry Krause being in fact quite competent at his job. Right. His downfall yeah. was an ego thing, but he was not some lucky guy and Michael Jordan fell into his lap. He made a series of good decisions and built one of the greatest basketball teams of all time, by the way, on a budget. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, like this, was a, this guy did build this team, but then right. he also was the downfall. And, you know, and so there's something about that that, I don't know, I just think is really, really interesting kind of Shakespearean I, I don't I don't remember if they said it in the series because I do have a lot of facts jumbling around in my head but uh you know Kraus was not behind the Jordan uh right behind right. getting Jordan so also that playing into it right like he built all the perfect pieces around him but he was never going to get credit for it was always Jordan <laughs> and the other exactly. guy so yeah. even that is like salt in the wound right he's like we don't need this guy we don't need this yeah. Michael Jordan greatest player in the league he was so. also just such a perfect like foil for Michael, like in a lot of ways. And I bet Phil understood this on some level where he was just like, oh, this is the perfect vi villain. Like MJ is good looking. It's char charismatic. He's handsome. And, and Krause is like. Poor guy. <laughs> yeah. The, the Krause, Krause, Krause was short, overweight, ugly, <laughs> had Napoleonic syndrome. No yeah. charisma. Yeah, no, no charisma. charisma. He wants to be one of the guys. I think Jackie Mack said this on the ESPN post show, but he wants to be in the club. It was obvious he was never going to be in the club. And so the like he tried to break up the club in the end. Yeah, and also, I mean, you know, for somebody who I, I mean, Jordan's going to be painted a villain in a lot of ways, rightly so, right? By a lot of the stuff we're going to see that he does to teammates along the way of this series. <laughs> but every time, Kraus couldn't do anything bad enough to make me not cringe every time Jordan would like come over and like poke him in the belly or something. You know what I mean? Like, oh, all of that. man. Like, oh, the, the, the line Classic where he's like, are those your stuff. diet pills or is that yeah, your short yeah, people yeah, pills? Yeah. And then like, nobody laughs. Everybody just kind of looks at right, like, right, right, and, right. And, that, and that look is like, took me right back to like, if you see like a bully, like bullying like a ninth grader yeah, in high school, exactly. like that look of him looking up at Jordan who's so revered with no one getting his back, everyone just silent and the pain like in his face was just <laughs> sad, man. Like it was really, really, hard to watch anyway so brendan what was your biggest takeaway from watching it i kind of went ahead and and, and yeah it, it's pretty much just that kraus was so good at his job and that i didn't yeah. i didn't really realize that and, and the dynamics that created jerry kraus hired tex winner in 1985 hired phil jackson out of the cpa plucked tony kukoc from god knows where in croatia croatia when like nobody knew how to scout yeah. scout europe Trading like drafted horse grant Yep. Got Rodman, got Kerr, but just did not know how to, you know, do everything else that came with the GM job, you know? Right. And I don't even think it was ego, like you said. Um, I think sure. it was just more like he didn't understand his lot in life. Like, he was never right. going to get credit. The GMs yeah. just almost never get credit, you know? Like, they're always the, like, dorky pencil pusher. Can you imagine Unless a GM today? <laughs> that's part of so i was listening to a really oh it was uh ethan's book which we're going to talk about because i have a lot of interesting things ethan strauss just dropped the the victory machine a phenomenal book on the warriors but he's talking about gms and he's how he's like all the successful ones have a thing like something you can kind of just be like this is their thing he's a draft guy or he's a this guy and i think that's that's the best you can hope for is like tim conley he's the draft guy right and right. that's how we talk about it like we put him in this little box and it's like we could package this I know yeah. we talk about a lot of things being different today, but can you imagine a GM just getting asked a question and actually honestly saying, yeah, we tried to shop Pippen, but I you know, we always say like, why do these guys lie? We know you were shopping them. Of course they lie. Like, right. This is why they lie. Everyone watched house videos and they were yeah. like, we're doing so, that. They're not, so, that, so they're not posthumously smeared. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, unbelievable, man. Um, Eric, what was your biggest takeaway from the uh, biggest couple? takeaway is that Michael Jordan wore a bunch of terrible hats all the time. Uh, <laughs> no, was, strong disagree. You're wrong. Strong you're, disagree. You're currently wearing a terrible hat. He, he absolutely hat. pulled off those hats. There were, that he doesn't mean they terrible. pulled it off. You can be loud. It doesn't mean you're right. Anyway, oh. the, also, uh, very large suits back in the day. Very, very oh. large suits. I can agree on that. So yeah. yeah. The, 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 none of the style stuff has really aged all that great. Um, but uh, my 
I think my favorite takeaway, the Krauss stuff, I think, was obviously centerpiece in the, in the, in the Pippin stuff. But I was watching the timeline, and this is a thing I've always said, and Patrick and I have talked about this a lot, but MJ just moves differently than every other person that's ever played the game. And it's almost like we talk about players and how good they are based on how much they walk and run and jump like MJ and even shoot. Like, yeah. MJ wasn't the greatest shooter in the history of the game, but his shot is the one that we call textbook. Like, that's, oh, that's the yeah. perfect way. His body just control. all the little things he does. There's so one... What is oh when he just goes to the gym? There's one shot of him just shooting 15 footers, and it's just like I'm like, man, this is the perfect set jump shot. It just looks perfect, and that's to me like it just seems like everything MJ did was just perfectly cool. And Tim Grover talked about that because Kobe was the guy we all talk about most emulating him, right? And Tim Grover was the one who said, you know, when you watch Kobe just run, not do basketball off the court, yeah. he said, and you watch Jordan, he's like, there's just something so different about Jordan just running yeah. like down yeah, yeah. the court. That always stuck with me because he trained both of them. I don't know. I don't know what it but was. But it's also Kobe, I'm sure, walked and ran differently until he started trying to walk exactly like, <laughs> like Right, right. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's the world's greatest method actor is what he is. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, as soon as they started the montage of that Boston Celtics game, just watching Jordan just sh- shot after shot after shot falling and then watching him slither into the lane with like the such slithering. perfect body, with yeah. such perfect body yeah. control. And, you know, I mean, when you... When you hear tales of Jordan, you think it's all like the the tongue out, the dunks, um, coming in and being really, uh, you know, athletic and flashy. But it's like you're saying, his shot is just so cold. It's just like, uh, and it was so packed in there, man. Like you talk about the body control. Every time he went in there, there were four guys. Like no one was spread. You know, the, the way everything's spread now. Like the other the other crazy thing is, you know. We, it's weird to look at a game where somebody drops 60 and there's zero three pointers are in that. Like, it's just a crazy to think about how many, that's a lot of shots. Like that's, you know, not factoring in a three pointer at all, whether that's stupid by today's standards or not. And things have evolved. It's still just kind of incredible that it's like, all right, those were all just two point buckets from zero to 63. Just unreal. Another thing that really stands out. So obviously we've talked about Pippen in the contract and that was the center part, but I'm, I'm surprised at how much love Pippen is getting. And if it sounds like MJ, enough was known about even guys like vote and wind. Like, look, even I feel like I'm too young to really be able to, to talk about MJ too much, but vote, vote and wind, especially, but I feel like they knew and had the respect for MJ Pippen coming through. I feel like everybody's kind of like, wow, what a badass Pippen was like he almost like he was the star in many ways, other than George, the second star of this first two episodes. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, Pippen's one of my favorite players yeah. of all time. To be, to be quite Nobody honest, vote agree. Pip- Pippen's one of my favorite players ever. Um, it's like I love defenders, I love role players, and I, I just love how he fit next to Jordan. Um, so I mean, he was one of my favorites of all time coming into this. So he's just hard, th- hard to like. A role player, like, those highlight reels aren't the same. His highlights are incredible, but it's hard to contextualize Pippen, right? Right. And just, like, maybe the most impactful, like, secondary player of all time. That's that's a kind of hard thing to just be like, hey, check out this highlight, and all of that shines through. So, like, my, my understanding of Pippen is almost purely academic, if that makes sense. He, But that's... um. That, that's what's interesting about Pip is but his highlight. We talk about Jordan seeing the same highlights. Pippen has like four highlights that they just keep playing over and over again. But right. that's because most of what he did uh, wasn't the Ewing. Yeah, dunking on Ewing is yeah, right. the one. Um, it's interesting. Which is like, might be the coldest dunk ever. The greatest dunk of all. <laughs> I'm about to watch it right now, actually. Um, <laughs> it, it's interesting. Over Ewing, then uh, tell Spike Lee to sit down. It's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Over Ewing pushes him down, steps over him, then tells Spike Lee. It's just like a series of... so violent. (laughs) The disrespect. Spike Lee is on the bad end of a lot of... Yeah, I was thinking that too. (laughs) Well, I mean, rooting for the Knicks every every game for like 30 years, it's going to happen to you. Yeah, it's inevitable. Um, Another thing, the... It's interesting to compare and contrast Kobe and MJ... Um, I, this is, I, this is, you're going to have to stick with me on this kind of crazy metaphor here, but I feel like in a lot of ways, MJ was the, um, the deity and Kobe the prophet. Like, I feel like MJ, his, they had the same philosophy, but I don't think MJ knew it. I feel like Kobe studied it and right. then turned it into a religion. 
and and then it, and it spread. But like MJ, I just feel like was that guy. He just that that was who he was, and he just, when, he when you invent it, you you don't know it, right? Like right. you don't know it. Like like I thought about this too because Kobe geared so much of his stuff off of what Jordan did and knew what he was doing the whole way through. MJ just wanted to kick your ass, so if he needed to do this, he would do this, right? Whereas Kobe, I feel like it was all very, like you said, very meticulous, and he was going to emulate that. He was going to take it for. I think he started shooting twice as many shots as Jordan a day. He like went and found out how many shots Jordan right. put up a day. So he shot double that, right? Like that's all like I mean, you know, but what is his what's his baseline if he doesn't have it's hard to imagine Kobe, you know, as talented as he was, as good as he would have been without using that, because that was his whole foundation. Whereas yeah. Jordan was just inspired by his father telling him he's he, he can't use yeah. tools. <laughs> the greatest athlete the world has ever seen. Yeah, it's like it's like when you talk about old movies and you look at them as cliche, but they're the ones that actually started the trend in the first exactly. place. So yeah. they're not cliche. Yeah, it was original back then, right? Right. Did, did you guys, did, did it seem like, was that kind of an insight to you guys when they talked about like, yeah, I, I got in a fist fight with my brother for my dad's attention. Like did that, that, that actually did humanize. I always knew Jordan was hyper competitive, wanted to beat his brother, but I didn't really factor in the idea of like, oh, his brother got to fix the cars with his dad. And he's told Michael to go back in with the women. Like I feel like, like you could see it in his face even. When he said, still. I wanted my father's approval so bad, you could still see the emotional aspects of that. Right. Oh, man. And, and right. you are absolutely right that that humanizes, like, maybe, like, the largest milf, myth we've ever built in American sports culture. Um, that That's the most humanizing thing you could think of, right? Well, the other humanizing thing, and this is one of the areas I was going to go, is I – well, so MJ was, like, charismatic. He could walk in a room. Everybody loved him, this or that. And Kobe, look, his his – career unfolded a different way but he wasn't cares like everybody hated him early on mm -hmm. remember he had all the teammates would be like man this kid's weird and this or that and they were kind of they, it was weird how mj changed the world <clears throat> in a certain way and like everybody was just attracted to get his approval and, and and whatever and kobe changed the world in that like they didn't love him and then he forced them he like he made them in, in a certain way over time uncomfortable sense that one was <laughs> <laughs> in, in, a lot, in a lot of ways i feel like what kobe did is in the ways that it's more impressive is like you just said he had for a further way to go you know it wasn't natural right but he had a further way to go by the end of his career he was super charismatic could command a room right i mean you could talk about how much of that is just him putting on that performance but you know he's standing up at the oscars and giving speeches and all sure. this other stuff and early on you're right it was kind of awkward and clunky part of that's probably how young he was he didn't have college right yeah. to sort of come along that way but also with his game too don't you feel like i mean as much as he mastered his i feel like he mastered his skill set at his peak like even beyond jordan like I you know agree. had more things i don't think he was as good because MJ he was more athletic and quicker right? first step that yeah. first step is the thing like people don't yeah. understand maybe it's the most important yeah like yeah. transfer of athleticism is how quick right. that first one is and mj's was like maybe the his step. first step and also he got off the floor for every a lot of guys can jump high but he got off the floor yeah. so fast yeah that so is. then you 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 uh put that along with what we talked about his body control where now if you happen to time it right you have to now try to avoid his chance, that up and under he could do, yeah. contorting his body, taking contact, finishing, and then he's got baseball mitt hands. So like you put yeah. all that stuff together, and we're not even talking about how good his footwork was. And it, I'm not saying his skill set wasn't good, but Kobe is almost like there's a reason Kobe yeah. had to take four up fakes, right, and then right. shoot off the wrong foot, right. yeah, leaning sure. away. And it was incredible he could hit him. No one else could hit him. It's like Jordan never really had to take those shots. He'd just right. jump over you, almost yeah. like a Dirk being tall. That was Jordan's athleticism. He'd take a hard first step. You'd be backpedaling, and then he'd be too high for you to block him. Right. That's what it felt like with, with Jordan. Even that three I mentioned earlier that Kobe hit, I was cold-blooded. Like, he wasn't open, and he couldn't shake J.R. Smith. And at the end yeah. of the day, he took a supremely contested three. And knocked it down. Yeah, you're right. That's 100% it. Yeah. That, yeah. that is funny you bring up Michael Jordan's hands. That was another thing I noticed. This is the – like, I uh, – like, Kawhi Leonard is the first player whose hands I noticed being so, like – unbelievably large that it like kind of freaked me out when I was you can see Kawhi there. Leonard's hands from the third level at <laughs> yeah totally and um and I so I I ended up look like I was like it sent me down a google hole of like researching players with large hands and I was like really surprised to find that Michael Jordan had some of the largest hands ever oh yeah in NBA. and I I just for whatever reason I just never knew that never noticed it whatever and so 
this time around, like I really like I, I noticed on his shot, like how you know he gets like an extra eight inches of guidance every yeah. time he shoots it. My um, my dad took my brother and I to a Bulls game in '97, so we went to the United Center. It's the only time I've ever been to Chicago, and they had this whole this wall of just NBA players, like the handprint, right? Uh -huh. And it was all guards and uh, on the bottom, and it was all like centers and bigs on the top. But they put Jordan's hand with the on the center row. And it was it was very comparable, right? Like he's with all the bigs, all the seven footers, and it was just same size hands. It's pretty Crazy. much everybody but Jack. It's unreal. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about, though, with regards to Kobe and MJ, this last thing for on that, but you know, Kobe, I feel like as much as he was the prophet, it's almost like he understood the philosophy better than MJ. MJ was just like he lived it, whatever. Kobe had really thought about it and internalized it. Right. And Kobe, as much as I was, I was the biggest Kobe. Patrick knows that I was a huge Kobe fan for a while. And then I just wasn't. Like I just moved on and and didn't and put him in a separate spot. But um, I felt like he understood his philosophy and how to apply it to every other aspect of his life. And I think watching this and some of this, just the way MJ looks, like he looks old and less cool and in a little ways unhealthy. Like his eyes, it's are his yellow. eyes, yeah, his yellow eyes. And, and um, there's a part of me that was watching this and going, like, man. Kobe's second act was already better than MJ's second act, no but it's almost like he just yeah. figured it out. He was doing what I feel like MJ probably should have done and didn't realize he was supposed to. He didn't know how yeah. to channel that in a, in a positive yeah. way. Once again, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, MJ was still kind of caught up in the early, mid-90s kind of like unlawfulness of, of the NBA, how it was still back then, you know? Yeah. Well, there's that famous dinner where Kobe went and sat down with Jordan, like right behind closed doors and had the dinner with him and talked to him as his career was winding down. And he always said that uh, Jordan was basically just like, look, it's always going to suck. Like nothing's going to compare to playing. Right. Which I think Jordan feels like now. Right. Like he yeah. never was interested in living beyond that. Yeah. And I, and Kobe yeah. said he left that dinner saying, I'll be damned if my second act is going to be that. Like, once again, I yeah. feel like the foundation of Jordan really was like a springboard. I'm not saying Kobe wouldn't have made the most of it anyway. That, that's part of what makes this thing so so tragic. I mean, you know, with, with Kobe not being around anymore, he really was trying to tackle the post-basketball career with as much passion. Yeah. And in that way, like, everybody acts like Kobe was always so so giving. I mean, he was Jordan when he was playing. He was actually terrible to teammates in a lot of ways because oh, he was yeah. so driven and you had to match him. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong. That's just his philosophy. But then he rewrote the book in the last season or two, and his whole post-career was all about – who can I help? Who can I guide? Who can mm -hmm. like? It was almost the most inspiring part of it, and that's. I mean, I'm I'm taking it down a down note now, but I think I think he had peaked. Like his Q score, like he was actually, I think, more loved when when we lost him than he was even maybe at the height of yeah. his playing days yeah, outside of LA. For sure, for I sure. Agree. So yeah, that was something to. I, I talked about this in the group chat. Um, this is obviously tragic, and you wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. But there's something fascinating about Kobe that part of Kobe kind of being frozen in time. We're never going to see Kobe at 65 totally. with the glassy eyes. And, and maybe there's yeah. like a tinge of sympathy all of a sudden for this figure. Right. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll always remember Kobe kind of, I think like taking, like, I don't know, just taking control of his entire identity in a way he hadn't yet. Yeah. Kobe right. saw Jordan watching Hornets and Bobcats games uh, from court, from the court and like, uh, I'm not doing decided it. he did not want to do that post-playing career. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, Phil Jordan... Q and Cade Walker, I see you guys waiting to come in. You guys will be in here in just a second. We've got one more question, and then we're going to go to a guest segment. So if you guys can hold tight, do so. Um, I want to do this last thing, guys, about Jordan, then we'll move on. But um, I, I, I read over the weekend, I read Ethan Strauss's book, The Victory Machine. And if I could summarize, it was about a lot of things. In many ways, it's sort of a time capsule for the NBA in 2020, even though it's using – the Warriors as the springboard for it. Um, but one of the things it talks about is just like the misery of this. Like we all hear about the Kobe MJ, like the glory, like, look, it sucked and we put it through the ringer, but at the end it's all worth it. Part of the story here was that he's, Ethan's almost raising the question, was it worth it? Like Kevin Durant's this guy that went through it and there's different circumstances, of course, but um, Mike, but the reason I bring this up is the question is, do you have to be an a-hole like Kobe and MJ to win, which is sort of like the foundational tenet of Mamba mentality? Or is it just that those guys happen to be a-holes? They also happen to be great and hard workers, and they think that those two belong together. What do you think, Patrick? I definitely don't think there's one way to win. I feel like LeBron's way is just as you know, and Magic Johnson's way is just as relevant as Jordan and uh, Kobe's. But I, I don't feel like 
I feel like there's different ways to lead too, and I'm not by any means saying these guys were great teammates. But at the same time, I think the the reason they captivate people is anybody who's gonna be so committed to their craft where they they almost kind of forfeit a, a better a life that could be more fun, right? Because they just yeah. want to perfect the gift they've been given naturally. I think people always kind of admire that, and that kind of gives. I feel like that gives them maybe more of an out than it should for just demanding that other people be better right. than even they're capable of being and being, right, right, you know, right. just, you know, whipping them every day until this then. But my legacy. You're, right, exactly. You'll be better than you Don't are. Don't F this up for me. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but at the same time, I mean, it's like, and this is another thing where maybe Kobe had, should have had more leeway for this because I, you know, Kobe would change his whole life, would change his diet, would do whatever he needed to do, right? Whereas Michael was just my, like Michael yeah. ate Big Macs before it was put in. I think if Michael had been challenged, like you talked about number one sponsor, even if he didn't have uh, all the rings, right? What you, Adam, you said before, you think you would have gotten a better version of Jordan if he had been pushed later. Because he, once he got on top, he was never pushed, right? He was the best player. And it's hard to say we could have a better version of Mike. But would he have gone on like a better diet? Had he been yeah. beat, like, I think he would have. I think if it had come down to, I have to do this to beat you, he would. But Jordan liked to smoke a cigar and liked to have, have a drink, right? Even during golf. the season. I mean, and Kobe golf. ate one piece of pizza and drank a grape soda one night and felt bloated and was like, never again. I'll never do <laughs> like this again. Like, that's, that's a true story. story. That's that's a true he, story. he really was like, I'm never doing this to my body again. So it's just, it just, you know, two different kind of animals within the same mold. But Absolute psycho. But right, the answer go. is no, you don't have to be an asshole. Actually, I want to, Eric, do you have a, a comment on that? Well, I don't know. I mean, <clears throat> it's it's just funny. You see lots of people have done it lots of different ways. <clears throat> I think it, there's something to these guys needing to maximize their specific skill set. Basketball is so interesting because one player really does yeah. turn how a team plays. Like, one pl- it, like a, a team can be one player, and... Um, you know, for these guys, like they just had to get other people to follow along in their greatness. I mean, I don't feel like LeBron is is this way. I don't feel like he uh, berates his teammates and like <clears throat> shouts them into submission. Um, he yeah. he just sort of like takes control and takes over the game when it, when he has to. Um, but you know, I, I think it's just really just more about the like. I think it's like like you said, like Jordan sort of established the template for what it is to be a powerful, fiery leader. Kobe saw that, studied it took it under uh, his wing and then made it his own. And then other people since then have sort of just <clears throat> blossomed under, under their own uh, direction. But, you know, I, I don't think the two are related. It's just, I just think Kobe studied Michael. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, take a break real quick. Harrison, you can get the, take a start for ad read. When we come back, we're going to break. Welcome in Phil Q as we hop around the interwebs to see the funniest things that happened today. Yeah, guys, remember to support Breck Brew, the official beer of DNVR. If you're looking to switch it up from a home-cooked meal, one of these nights you can order in from Breckbrew. You can go pick up at the farmhouse. They got, like, literally everything <laughs> See, I, I that you could want. The mountain beach Chicken today. wings. <laughs> the mountain beach. <laughs> oh, no. Did he go away? Oh, no, our ad read. Harrison, what happened? Oh, oh no. We lost you at chicken wings. <laughs> I, I, Phil, can you go ahead and just finish this ad read for Breck Brew? Is it is it possible? I could probably do that. I gotta go outside. <laughs> I, I gotta Look at this shirt. About, you know, ten feet outside this door. Oh wow, you man, you're already an MVP, Phil. This might already that be the best guest in DNBA live show history. The Breck Brew is right at, outside, look and shirt. look at this incredible Birdman shirt. Show that off. Oh, it came out from uh, deep in the drawers. <laughs> really, absolutely beautiful. Harrison, are you back? Yeah, you I'm, back. I'm back. Here? Here? I'm back here. I'm back here. I think I saw like five of those Birdman shirts in the crowd on Game Three. They were all yellow, though. I, I have questions. Oh, <laughs> uh, that yellow is so bad. That yellow is so bad. Uh, yeah, call 303-803-1380 to get a delivery or pickup from Breck Brew. Also, guys, I had a great day. Uh, here on Monday, because before I was watching Game Three, I was playing a little WGT golf. Oh you yeah, you guys got into WGT yet? Yes, yes, yes. Just downloaded it last night. Yeah, it's the coolest golf game out there. Not joking, well, the actual yeah. coolest golf game out there. It's, it's like real, real golf. golf. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Play can't play real bed. golf right now. Download WGT. <laughs> yeah, you can. Like yeah, you, you can download uh, WGT and actually <laughs> join the uh, DNVR Clubhouse. By going to dnvrgolf.com, 
Everybody needs to go do this because we're going to start doing golf tournaments against yeah. each other. Like for real, we're going to be where you play this whole this course and then you submit your score and winners advance. It's going to be dope. Yeah, it's a free game, super realistic. 20 million players around the world including all of us on this call. 20 million and 6. Oh, yeah. Phil's in it, but everybody else for Phil's sure. Phil's in it. Phil's in, man. <laughs> Download yeah. it now, Phil. Turn the screen. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's an awesome game. No, like seriously, I don't I don't play a lot of uh, phone games, but like WGT is an awesome game. Awesome. All right. So, uh, Phil, are you a, a super Birdman fan? Uh, you know, when he was when he was here, I was a big fan. I don't know. He just kind of got the crowd excited. I I got excited. We'd go and see him. Uh, that game three that we lost, I was not excited that night. I was there. <laughs> Were you there? I was there. Yeah. Uh, so I think, he, go ahead. Is this an is this an officially sanctioned Birdman shirt, or is this a, a <laughs> is this a knockoff from outside? It was purchased at the Pepsi Center, so I'm going to say official. So, no, but it was purchased no outside, way. right? No, 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 inside. Oh, inside, inside, okay. Yeah. Eric's sleuthing here. Like, what is this? Well, I'm, I'm trying to remember because I'm trying to place myself back in this time. Like, this was around the time that I got, like, really excited about making T-shirts. I was buying T-shirts outside of the Pepsi Center. The, this Birdman shirt was, like, really prevalent. And there was, a, uh, like, a local little uh, DIY brand called uh, the Denver Thuggets, and they made a Mellow Hope shirt that I bought. And so, uh, but I, yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> Birdman, though, I don't, I wonder, how many years have you been a Nuggets fan, Phil? Uh, well, I grew up in Boulder, so I've been uh, since Boulder. 77 or so. <laughs> okay, so you've been, right. so, you, so you've, you've seen a lot of eras. I don't. Yeah. I think Birdman might rank number one on off the bench um, in terms of the crowd's reaction to him. I don't know if like like Manimal's up there. You know, there were there were other guys over the years, but Manimal's yeah. a starter though, for the most part. Yeah, we but got Birdman. I think when he checked in, like the crowd just loved Birdman. We got yeah. one game of Swaggy P that was pretty well, big. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> we got a, an IT game that was also pretty big. I'm but... really glad Swaggy P is not part of like the Nuggets history outside of that little footnote we get. It was Bobble could uh, be that guy. Oh, without question. Are you know yeah. how loud I'm gonna be when Bobble checks in for the first time? <laughs> loud, I'm loud, like loud. Yeah, loud, loud. Oh, don't do this. <laughs> you can't repeat it and then denounce it. That's <laughs> <laughs> exactly what I just. Did. <laughs> All right. Well, you're gonna have to. Uh, you're gonna have to help us um, here, Phil. We're gonna decide if these things uh, are cool or uncool, and we're gonna start with. Oh man, the Dallas. Oh my goodness! Did I go straight to this giant baby? I guess I did. Look <laughs> oh at this. That is Look not at this cool. Guy. That is that not baby cool. Too big. I saw this <laughs> on big. It's too big. Too big for baby. Are we positive that's a baby? It's <laughs> enormous, man. Yeah, that does not classify as a baby anymore. Absolute that's... unit. I think, yeah, I think that's just like a, that's just like a guy. <laughs> that's Look a child. Poofing out no, that's no. just like that's just like a dude. A dude on the back of a parent. <laughs> My daughter saw that today, and she thought it was a four-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> My baby. You know what the sad part is? Is that that parent is clearly dead. Yeah, <laughs> he's just passed out. He needs somebody to help. Um, the Dallas Mavericks are they cool with this great Photoshop? What if? What? Oh God! What if? What? No. Yeah, what if what? <laughs> what if the ghost of? This is really haunting. Is Jordan really shorter than Luca? Uh, yeah, Luca's six eight. eight. Luca's yeah, like six really? eight, man. Yeah, Luca's a big boy. I've seen like a, a pretty high amount of like ghostly looking uh, Jordan images photoshopped in with other players over the last several days. I'm not into it at all. My all time favorite is Matthew Dellavedova. Do you know the famous where like MJ's playing defense and he looks all intense? They photoshopped Delhi with his like awkward crossover. <laughs> what if Dellavedova had a shot at MJ? Like, okay, this is let's... so not cool. Unless you're the Chicago Bulls team account, you don't don't send Michael Jordan tweets right now. Yeah, no. exactly. true, well, even true. then, like, so I saw the the their account was tweeting stuff, and it's like you realize you guys are about to get roasted for two hours. It's <laughs> like what a, what a terrible organization. Um, cool or uncool, Pat Riley here. That's the coolest thing I've cool. ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> What are you talking about? Bamboo in the back of your house, man. Just look at this guy. Look at him. <laughs> Miami Beach vibes right there. Pat Riley legit looks like Mafia. You know what I'm saying? Like, like oh, he's yeah. got connections. Oh, that he's, yeah. he, he looks like a G. This was maybe my favorite tweet of yesterday. I'm bouncing around the internet here. 
We need to see the Netflix. <laughs> oh, Don Nelson. <laughs> Look at oh these guys. <laughs> this is perfect. Uh, would, you, would you rather age into one of great. these two fine gentlemen yes. or yes. Jeff Goldblum? Oh, man. Well, I think Jeff Glob- Goldblum will age in, into these guys. That's, that's, the, that's the path. The answer is Goldblum. <laughs> yes, the answer is Jeff Goldblum. Right. Oh, man. Why um, is Pat Riley so cool, man? Oh, I'm envious. I actually think Don Nelson is what I want to age into. Like Don Nelson's got a little bit of the dude. Well, he's oh, turned yeah. into the dude is what he's turned into, but right. he's got a little bit more of an edge to him. Like, he looks like he can kill him. He's got the gold fight. chain. Yeah. 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 Pat, Pat, Pat Riley's living too stressful of a life for me if I'm, like, 70-something. Phil, if you have to pick an avatar, which guy are you going with? If you have gray hair and a chain over your shirt, I don't think that's a good look. Whoa. What? Whoa. <laughs> well, first of all, I don't that's think it's supposed take. to be a no. good look. This, <laughs> this is a great look from Don Nelson. Are you kidding me? He's serving. This right. is a... This is a 10 out of 10 look. This is a, Harrison's heavy on the fashion police. This <laughs> I'm this just says, gonna say this is like my favorite side by side I've ever seen. I just I, I'm so into this side by side. What a third act. It's like you know what the basketball thing was cool. I'm gonna go get high with Willie Nelson. I'll see this you is like later. this is uh, this is like the same uh, character arc of uh, Don Draper where you're like yeah. intense, yeah. You're fiery, right. and then at a certain <laughs> point you look back and you're like, you know, what was it all for? What was it about? Oh my god! <laughs> you want to um, buy the world of coke? They do use Manscaped. That's true. I've I, I've heard that Pat Riley uses Manscaped. So <laughs> use code DNVR. Look at how well groomed he is. Code DNVR twenty. DNVR twenty. Thanks. A lot of codes. Uh, yeah, so Don Nelson, though, apparently just smoking weed in Hawaii and just, like, waiting. There's no know. apparently about it. He's Every time he's been filmed <laughs> since he retired, he's physically smoking weed in Hawaii. There's so no... I brought Ethan Strauss up because of his book. But, uh, he, you know, my one of the funniest stories of the last year was he went to Hawaii with Don Nelson to do this deep dive. But Don Nelson and him smoked weed right away. And Ethan got hyper paranoid and bounced the F out of there. Didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> totally see Ethan doing that, by the way. <laughs> it's so much of a better story than whatever he would have gotten. Oh, 100%. You have yeah, you just write that read. down. It's too great. All right, let's move along, even though I don't want to. I want to live here. I just want to stay on this frame for as long as it'll let me. This tweet, courtesy of Harrison Wynn. Mm-hmm. Oh, jeez. Oh, look at this. Phil, that's not you, is it? No, my <laughs> All right. Wow. True or false, Phil? You have in your life. Is that Phil's mother? Is that you have in your life mohawked your hair to be like Bird, Birdman? Oh, that is a false. Yeah. Oh. This I hair's weird. What? Really. <laughs> Here we go. Oh, look at look at vote. My goodness, it's gorgeous, man. Your hair is wow. That looks longer than it so looks terrible, like. vote. And you, if you put your hat back on, no, son of a. <laughs> All right. Last you know, one. This, here. Is a, this is a great look. Last one here. Um, this is this is the type of stuff you find on Reddit. If you think about it, Benicio del Toro is Benny the Bull. Have the same name. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. How great is that? Even if you don't think about it, even if you don't think about it, it's true. You can't you can't stop the truth. <laughs> That's the dumbest thing I've laughed this hard at. It's amazing. It's absolutely incredible. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, I thought it was good. All right. Kate, oh. I'm sorry because we're gonna. Oh, actually, no, we do have another section. I was gonna talk movies because Patrick's a huge movie buff. Are you a movie guy, Phil? Uh, I, I try to be. I try to be. I like okay. the uh, like Um, that. number one, Phil, I'll start with you. Number one greatest sports movie of all time. You know, I just went today to try to see if Breaking Away was available to oh, yeah. get on demand because I wanted my kids to see it because I was thinking that's got to be in my top ten at least. So breaking away is the only one you're going to give. That's cycling movie. Never seen it. Top cycling movie. Top cycling movie. Easily. We did a a best sports movie bracket a few months ago, and we we could not brainstorm a single cycling film. (laughs) You're probably right that this is. There's a Costner one, too. Um, Cruise, what is it? Flyers, American Flyers. Flyers, yeah, American Flyers. Which is the one? Which is the one where he drops the ketchup on his lady and then scoops it up with the French fries on her thigh? Do you remember this? That's the only memory I have from either one of them. I don't remember which one it was. I just remember seeing it as a child and being like scandalized by the oh, scene. Oh, dude, Kevin Costner with a stash. You kind of carried the lead. Huh? <laughs> 
Costner's done more sports flicks than anybody, right? What does he have? Six yeah. or seven at this point? Oh yeah. Are they Dream all baseball? Dreams, no, I mean he's got. I mean, even like draft day more recently, if you count that. Oh, that's I don't count that. No love of the game. Too corporate. So Patrick actually runs a podcast. I want to pump it because, of course, he's my friend, so I love it. But he's he knows he's he knows film like I know the NBA. I mean, he's obsessed about it. Not at all. Not at all. And uh, he has a podcast called Movies and Shit that you should definitely subscribe to. It's really, really well produced, really funny, really insightful. Um, Patrick, since you're the authority on this, I guess this is a calibration. What is the greatest sports movie of all time? I gave you no preparation I, man, either. I just threw this at you. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going to go with kind of the boring answer, but I think the original Rocky is kind of the gold standard. Um, Bull Durham <laughs> is probably the most fun. Oh, Rocky! Bull Durham's a great pick. <laughs> Bull Durham's an awesome pick. Vote did you, has some did you, takes about Rocky, man. Did you did you shit on Rocky when you guys actually vote it? and win? I forgot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Podcast about yeah. Wait, let me let me wait, let me ask let me ask. Is it uh, the pace is too slow now? Seventy six, like it's all that, that the, stuff. It's, or it's, it's just too that gritty? the first two thirds of the film aren't good. <laughs> they're like it's they're a tough watch. I'll admit that. Subjective, sure. subjective. But uh, uh, okay, you're not in LA it, anymore. It was Patrick. tough. Yeah, it was no, tough because like um I I hadn't watched that movie until this year, and then we watched we watched it, and then. Back to back, we watched Creed. So, so what do you, it was what do you tough. Think? Creed, so if the Creed, crowd wants Creed to the throw something out for bandits, bandits, uh, we need yeah, to that says BMX bandits with Nicole Kidman. I think I might skip <laughs> that one. I just, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I, I get what the film's about the mythology yeah, yeah, building, yeah. the narrative, and that's place and culture. Like, I can wrap my head around that. Um, but I just. I mean, I, I was getting nothing from, from yeah. the buildup. Fair, fair the, enough. How, how do you guys feel about Rocky IV? Uh, the, the <laughs> is that Ivan Drago? Yeah, that script was about 30 pages long. It's got more montage than scenes. It actually <laughs> like that. Like literally. And I love it. But, yeah, I love it, I love too. It, but, I love it too. I love it too. So anyway. I, I like that Rocky. Like, enjoy that one more. I like that Rocky like never got good. <laughs> equipment until like Rocky. What was my favorite, my favorite part about Rocky no, is how he's mugs. just absolutely eating punch after punch after punch. <laughs> he eats like forty straight punches in a row and then just knocks him out. He's not, he's not, not a good boxer, man. He's not a good. But but he had an iron chin though. He had an iron part. chin. No, the great thing about when we talk about Rocky Four, you said he never got good equipment. The amazing thing about Rocky Four is that's the one where you've got two training montages. The Americans are chopping yeah. down trees. Rocky is doing it the old-fashioned way. He's climbing a mountain, right? He's like he's pushing horses. Yeah. I've got all the super equipment. He's juiced up, and that was the most roided out Sylvester Stallone ever was. How insulting! Like mid '80s, full Americana. Like we're the love- Americans, we do it the right way. He comes out looking like an action figure. So that's right. Like he's just juiced beyond unbelief but that was like the ultimate cold war movie where it was yeah. like the Ru- the russians were juicing everything was like so slimy <laughs> yeah. it was like evil and <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, in the snow and comes out looking golden brown <laughs> like, <laughs> like, oh nice yeah. like the pasty ugly russian and you know that kind of can. <laughs> he's so tan he's unbelievable i have a take about movies uh sports movies is that i don't think any of them are good I think all oh. sports movies are like, yeah, there's like, they're, they're, like, which sports movie do you really love? Like truly you know love the, the eight miracle. The do you truly, truly, you would choose that over other movies. You guys not enjoy would, like a major league, something like that. Is that I would watch movie? miracle right now. If it was on TV, would you really They're oh, yeah. like all sports movies like that are just way too sappy for me. Like, so I mean, the eighties was the heyday of movies that were just about the season, right? Like you get major league, you get Hoosiers, you get, that was just about lo- the sport. Yeah. Now it's about like, if it's Moneyball, right? Like that's a sports movie now where it's about sports, but it's really about something else within that world, I feel like anyway. Um, but the 80s, I feel like was the time of we just wanted to watch sports. Yeah. Easy Rider, not quite the same, I don't think. Easy Rider? Easy rider. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that counts. <laughs> I don't think biking. You said biking. I do. I do love the movie. Have you, Patrick, Patrick or Phil, have you seen the movie Goon? Have either of you seen oh, the yeah. Goon? I love Goon. Oh, the Goon? hockey movie? Yeah. yeah. With Sean William Scott? Yeah. yeah. Goon, Goon is Goon's like, has creeped into, that might be my yeah. favorite. Goon has yeah, more, that might be my favorite sports more movie, to honestly, it than you think, right? Like, I went into that thinking, all right, we're going to have some fart jokes here or whatever. And Goon, Goon's got a lot lot to it, I feel like. For sure. Absolutely. It's got well, the one with uh, Patton Oswalt, too, where he was the New York Big fan. fan. Big fan. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think that movie is actually not a great 
executed movie, but it's a great idea. Like, it's got a really good story and point and, you know, theme or whatever. But I just, I don't actually don't think it's a good movie. It's a little too Big corny. Fan. and yeah, I don't know. I that's, 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 poorly executed. Great first, first movie. <laughs> thank, you, thank you, Cade. Yeah, Glory Road, uh, Jojo White, solid film. I need to see that after your... You were big on Glory Road. I need to watch that. I've never seen it. I bet I, would, watch, I bet I would like it. Have you guys watched Blue Chips lately? Has anybody watched Blue Chips in the last Yeah, like, I, I was... Uh, do you guys remember? I was pushing this so hard when we were having our thing, and people were like, all right, Adam, it's not that... It's a good movie, it, and it's good I, today. I feel like people would like it more now. So, yeah. We weren't cynical enough. That we were still... Everybody was a Bulls fan in that era when it, <laughs> we wanted the happy ending. Now I feel like it would be very relevant, and people would dig it. Well, yeah, remember the Titans won, like, in a landslide, the number one movie. That's what everybody voted. That's the one everybody likes. But again, yeah, that was, like, like, the like biggest a... lock to win since duke two years ago but it's a low ceiling like the best sports movies of all time are not even close to the best movies of all that's what i was saying yeah and and remember and remember the titans is like a great movie as in like oh this is better than like like class in eighth grade i'm glad they wheeled the tv in coach carter coach carter man i was listening to jj reddick's pod and he had lonzo ball on and they were doing a all-time sports movies draft Lonzo Ball took Coach Carter first overall. Oh my God, we got it. that's it. That's we're done with with film talk. Harrison, take us. Uh, let's do one last break, and then when we come back, Phil, are you are you prepared to play or to try to climb the steps? Uh, I've been preparing my whole life. Oh, that's what I wanted to do. Right, Harrison. Guys, you can sign up for the loyalty program at Mile High Green Cross. Still, they're still open, and you receive twenty percent off your. Entire purchase once per month. That offer extends to current members as well. If you want to check out Mile High Green Cross, right downtown at 9th and Broadway, they got parking there. And again, if you sign up for a loyalty program, you will receive 20% off of your entire purchase once per month. Oh, that was nice. Well done, Harrison. All right, now it's time oh, for baby. the big game. Oh, baby. You know how this is played then, Phil. Um, Patrick, maybe you don't. You get to be his special helper. And I know that's going to that's gonna be huge because I know you know your Denver Nuggets trivia, Patrick. Oh, well. <laughs> and, uh, David Thompson questions. Lay them on me. Well, do we have a Beck question coming? We, you might. You never know. You might as well Who just guess it at Beck? random. Because yeah. it is it's coming up. That's my advice to you. Go with Beck on every <laughs> All right, Phil. There are 15 questions. If you oh. get through the first five. You can get a free sticker pack. You can end there Man. and get a free sticker pack. If you get another, if you want to, you can risk it. Go another five. You can win a free T-shirt. And if you want to risk that, you can go all the way and get a lifetime subscription to DNVR. All right. All right. Are you ready to play? I am I'm ready. So ready for this. Let's fire up. Which nug- current Nuggets player has the nickname the Blue Arrow? Jamal Murray. Is he right? Let's check. Hold on. I, I Judges? Cannot, I'm, I'm killing myself because I had something all lined up. Okay. <laughs> you are that right. is correct. Yeah! Right. <laughs> oh, that was a, that was a right. lot of tension for that the first That was a lot of tension for a huge <laughs> <laughs> uh, Who led the Denver Nuggets in scoring this season? Jamal Murray. We never had it! We never had it! Oh no! Oh my god! I was feeling good about Phil. I feel terrible right now. I feel absolutely good. Phil, why wouldn't you guess Mason Plumley? What's wrong with you? Oh, Phil. We didn't want to do it, Phil. I did not want to do it. We were only on two. You had a helper? Patrick, who would you have guessed? No idea. I wasn't really listening to the honest. No prize in it for me, right? No prize in it for you. Phil was a good, a really good guest, though. He was a good sport. hung hung out with us for a lot of a long time on that. Um, so nice work, nice work to him. Um, I, go ahead. I dig that it's called the steps, though. That's cool. That's a lot like Rocky climbing the steps. That's right. The there best you part go. Of the, the movies. Right, I would say it's nothing Patrick. like that. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Patrick, you you too were a very good guest, guys. For real, you have to check out his podcast, Movies and Shake. Give it one, yeah. give it one try. I, I'll bet you if you give it one episode try, you will really enjoy it. We haven't talked Rocky once, and we'll never talk. <laughs> what's what's the one? What's the entry level episode you should, people should listen to? What's what's your proudest Ooh. episode? We know we actually just did our first uh, movie commentary. It was by fan vote, and uh, the fan selected uh, 1990s Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So we wow. take you. Yeah. Uh, 
great. I, I don't shy away from it. It's <laughs> I may, I may skip that one. It's on Netflix right now. Check it out. <laughs> That's too funny. Um, all right, everybody else, thanks so much for tuning in. If you want to be on the show, you got, you know what you have to do? You can be just like Phil. You can participate in the steps. You can play you some of the other games Phil. we can Maybe play. Not yeah, just, you don't can be just, just like Phil. A little higher. Phil had a great Sorry, shirt. Phil. Great shirt. Yeah, we love you, Phil. You seem like a great. Actually, I enjoyed Phil's presence quite a bit. I'm I'm pretty sad the way it turned out for old Phil. I I am too. I was rooting really hard for him. (laughs) Really hard. One of these days, we're gonna give a shirt away, fellas. We're gonna give. I want to. I've got these shirts to give away. I want to give them away. Um, These shirts. But if you want to be on the show, first of all, you got to subscribe to DNVR. Hopefully, you are already. And then you're just gonna go up on thednvr.com. You're gonna see the lounge tab. Click there. You join the lounge. It's like our hangout on Discord. It's a lot of fun. Sit and talk nuggets. Talk whatever you want. We actually have been sharing puppy photos later. Maybe this isn't the best endorsement. <laughs> anyway, join the lounge, and then you can be on this show. We share the link, and um, we bring people on every single episode. So, all right. Anybody? Any parting words before we get out of here? I think Cade nailed. Can you just pull up Cade's comment there? Oh man, where's he at? <laughs> Nope, the nope. last one. <laughs> last one. I know, Glory Road is a great film, but not that one. I don't, I don't see Cade's last It's quote, here. I've been preparing my whole life for this. Phil. Phil. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, poor oh, Phil. So I don't see this. It's, so the most, it's the most recent of all the comments. All right, well, I don't I didn't know that. either, Phil. I didn't know either. All right, everybody, thanks for tuning in. All right, fun show today, guys. Really fun talking about the Jordan doc and a little bit about the 2009 series Kobe Jordan Parallels. Thanks so much to Patrick for coming on. Really cool to get his perspective because you can tell that you know, he's somebody that studied Jordan a lot and knows the ins and outs of everything that was talked about on that doc. One more thing that I wanted to hit you guys with before we get out of here, and maybe we'll get to this later in the week. Maybe we'll get to it when we're talking about parts two, three, four, all the way up to 10. Michael Jordan's hate for Jerry Krause started so early in his Bulls tenor. If you have a second, and I'll go over the details, but go look up Jerry Krause's draft selection of Brad Sellers in 1986, just a couple years after Jordan had gotten to the Bulls. But in 1986, Krause wanted to select Brad Sellers in the draft, a tall forward with a jumper and good handles. But Jordan was really pushing management to draft Johnny Dawkins. Again, you would say this is Michael Jordan pushing management to draft somebody, no surprise. But I mean, Jordan was in like his third year here. So leading up to the draft, Krause tells everybody that he's drafting Johnny Dawkins, who Jordan wanted him to draft out of Duke. He even tells Coach K that Dawkins is going to be his guy. But Krause pulls a bait and switch. At the last minute, he goes with Brad Sellers, which of course pisses off everybody, mainly Michael Jordan. And Krause ends up spending that entire summer trying to sell Jordan on Brad Sellers. Of course it didn't work. And the story goes that Jordan absolutely went after Brad Sellers on the practice court, just attacked him mercilessly, just made Brad Sellers not even want to be out there. And three years later, the Bulls end up cutting ties with Brad Sellers. A similar thing happened when the Bulls drafted Tony Kukoc. Of course, Tony Kukoc was an instrumental piece of that second three-peat. But do you remember that story about the 92 Dream Team with Jordan and Pippen playing Tony Kukoc in those Olympics and how they would pick him up full court and absolutely just make life hell for him. A lot of people out there believe Jordan's motivation for doing that was really to make it look like Krause's selection of Kukoc was just a terrible pick. So I wanted to leave you guys with that before we got out of here today. Really fun show today. And also, remind you guys about Denver Rubber Company, your reliable local partner for your long-term projects. Since 1972, they've been providing the highest quality of products. Custom die-cut gaskets, molded rubber, custom contract manufacturing, custom hoses. Whatever project you guys are doing at home, they might be able to help you out. Check them out at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com backslash dnvr. Tell them who sent you.
the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.